Good morning, everybody. Welcome, everybody, being here this morning. We thank you all for filling these seats. Good morning. It's been a crazy month of December. It's been a crazy year for some of us. And as we wrap down 2023 and the month of December, we want to go ahead and once again just thank all of you for being here this morning as we welcome you. So, as you can see, we're light, but we're strong this morning. Some of you have been traveling, some of you are barely, get, barely getting into town, so welcome back, everybody. We're going to go ahead and we're going to ring in this new year. Good morning, Morningstar. How are you all? Oh my gosh, this is like this. Oh. Christmas Eve is still here. Hey, my name is Stuart Downport. Uh, I am your executive uh, captain of Chaos. You never know. There could be another one later. 
I mean, I, I, I well, he is the, that's the eternal, that is the uh, chief executive officer of chaos. That's who that is. Um, so, hey, uh, it's, it's New Year's Eve, and we are having a, a bit of a different service today. It may go a little bit longer, uh, because I am of the philosophy that worship lasts as long as worship needs to last. Right? So the chair... Well, this service is not so much concerned about beating the Baptist. The other service is, but... but uh, so, you may be late to brunch by five minutes or so. And, uh, um, yeah, thanks for throwing me off. Hey, uh, just a few little things here. Let me uh, get to my notes. Um, hey, so in the seat backs in front of you is the Connect card. And um, so this is New Year's Eve, and we spend some personal time, some professional time, some spiritual time, some some emotional time, like uh, going through all of the things that we want to leave behind in 2023 and the things that we want to take with us. So one of the things that we want to take with us into 2024 is the Connect card. I know that some of you would love, and we have not done this in years, uh, probably almost a decade, we have not had the little booklets in the, the seats, and, uh, and then you just take it and you pass it down. See, we don't do that because, see, everybody knows who Patty Kylie is, so Patty Kylie doesn't think that she needs to fill it out, and then she just passes it down uh, to Harlan and, and uh, his lovely bride-to-be. And they look at it, and they think, well, this is the way you fill it out. You don't. No, that's not the way you do it. You fill out the Connect card. And whether you've been here one time or, or 10,000 times, you fill it out. And uh, you let us know that you've been here because we're Methodist, and we count because you all count. But the biggest thing is, is that amazing things happen on this little space here on the back of the card, which is you let us know what your prayer concerns are. You let us know how to improve this card. And then also the other thing is, is that you let us know what's going on in your life. And um, because we do church together because we do life together. And so uh, that's what the Connect card's all about. So you'll bring that up uh, later in the service, and you'll drop it off here in uh, the baskets on either side of us here. So um, we're going to take the Connect card with us into 2024. Amen? amen. What's amen? amen? Okay. Okay. Hey, we have a little bag here for uh, kids. There's not very, uh, there's kids. And inside the bag is this little candle. And um, you can turn it on, kids. And this reminds us that uh, God is present with us all the time. God, God is the light of the world, and he is present with us all the time. And so that's what's in here. But there's also a cross when it's time to pray. And there's a giving envelope, and there's crayons, and there's a uh, all kinds of stuff on the clipboard, and you can do that. And if you are a youth, there is a sheet that looks kind of sort of like this, and um, it's up in the front. And so you can get that and play along with us here. Um, and so you could do all that. Hey, we got a few announcements because uh, this service is different and built differently than all the other services that we usually do throughout the year. And so, uh, hey, just to let you know that on January 12th, uh, which is 
next, not the, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday. So next Thursday. A week from Thursday. That's the way to say it. A week from Thursday. Thank you very much. I like that better. Uh, so a week from Thursday, on Friday, January 12th, we will be having a, a week from Friday. Everybody take out a pen and paper and write this down. Friday, January 12th, we are having a welcome back to school party. Uh, not necessarily for the kids, though the kids will benefit. It's really for the parents who come in the parking lot. And what we're thanking them for is the opportunity to minister their kids. And yes, ministering their kids means that we kind of keep the peace between them and we feed them and we allow them to use the bathroom and uh, fill up their water bottles and get and get some water and we do all that. But the, So that's the ministering, but the real people that we want to thank is the parents who do that. Last year, we grew from uh, 45 kids to 80 kids by the end of the school year. This year, we started at uh, about 95, 100 kids, and we have grown to 200 kids that we feed every single day. Uh, just a little snack, just a little something as they wait for their parents in a safe environment where they can kind of catch up after the day and also get ready to kind of go on into the, the, the rest of their day with their parents and or practices and all that kind of stuff. So on that Friday, January 12th, uh, you want to get here between like 3 and 3.30, help us set up. We are going to have the usual popcorn and um, snow cones, but we're going to add to the lineup. We are going to uh, have uh, freshly made donuts and soft serve ice cream. And so uh, all that will be on the porch, and we would love to have you all be a part of that. If you've never, ever, ever been a part of this ministry, this is the best way to jump in because there's no party like a morning star party. So, um, so there's that. Hey, uh, so a couple of things, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, this is, well, I was just trying to figure out how to say this. So, uh, this will be Leslie Templeton's last day as our uh, worship leader at the 1115 service. She's been leading with the choir, has been uh, doing choir practices and picking out hymns and doing all that kind of stuff. And so if you haven't, uh, please, uh, we've been doing a card shower. So today was the last day that we were going to collect those cards and give them to her. But if you uh, have been caught up in the Christmas rush, you can still get a card and bring it to her later. To add to that card, sad to say, um, Leslie's mother passed away the other day, Thursday is to, uh, to be exact, and um, Jenny was, I think, 96 years old. She had lived a very, very, 97? 97. She had just turned 97 and had lived a, an extremely full life and was blessed, uh, both Leslie and Jenny were blessed to have spent um, I guess almost like the last eight years together. And so, uh, so keep, uh, Leslie in your, um, uh, thoughts and prayers as we go forward and you will see Leslie here later this morning. She will be here. Um, so if you want to, uh, talk to her personally, you can do that then. So we have plan for the choir. If, if you have been singing in the choir and just find yourself here at this, this service this morning, there's still plan. You can still be a part of that. And so we're excited about all that. So now into uh, the meat of what it is that we're going to do today. 
So usually within the United Methodist Church or uh, Wesley uh, uh, theological churches, those who follow the, the, the way of Wesley, um, we, this is called the Covenant Sunday. And so we are going to go through the Covenant service. But let me give you an explanation of what this service is all about. In 1775, John Wesley introduced a covenant service as an important part of spiritual life in the Methodist societies. This renewal service was a time for the Methodists to gather annually in the time of self-examination, reflection, and dedication, wholly giving up themselves and renewing a covenant with God. Repentance through confession and commitment was a key focus of the service, demanding humility from those willing to submit themselves to the dynamic words stated within the liturgy. According to Wesley's journal, though the covenant renewal service was held on various occasions throughout the year, by the end of his life, the service was observed typically on the Sunday nearest January 1st. The covenant renewal service is a practice that continues in churches and Christian communities today, Often near the beginning of the new year, it, was un it has undergone many revisions and adaptations, but its purpose as an evocative ceremony of commitment to ongoing discipleship and Christ-like character has always remained intact. So throughout this service, uh, some words are going to be said, and you all, y'all, y'all, uh, y'all are going to say the most bold words. Got it? There's going to be some light words said by somebody else, and y'all are going to say the bold words. And there's a lot of bold words to be said throughout this service. So, to kick us off, Miss Denise Armfield is going to lead you all through some of those bold words. Good morning. Please uh, join us in the call to worship. The way we do this is um, the congregation, someone in the congregation gets to be the someone. You just uh, call out the words on the screen, and then everyone will join in the everyone part. Okay? And if two people join in the someone, that's okay. Just speak it together. Do a duet. All right. You are the one true God who reigns forever. All our desires are known to you, and from you no secrets are hidden. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as we continue to pray as he taught his disciples, saying, Our God in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us when we hurt others as we forgive those who hurt us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
Pastor Peace. Why don't we all pass the peace this morning? Good morning. <laughs> Sing of how great. 
next song talks about the most famous person of all as we get in this place. This was called The Famous One. We sing about so many famous people.
Actually, no one has the bag. We're starting over with the bag. Okay, do you have something? Okay. <laughs> I know. This will be tricky. I was going to talk about the new year, but we can do this. <laughs> you want? I'd like you guys to sit over here. Because there's not that many. Come on. Come over here. Hmm. Can we call somebody? Look, we can take a picture. You guys can't hear that. Sorry. <laughs> it's got email. And it says you can put you on hold. There's an on and off. And there, it's a phone, in case you didn't know. There's a phone. And do you have a little phone? Do you have a toy phone? No. So, we're just going to go with the call on God. <laughs> I was trying to think of something more, more um, elaborate, but no, <laughs> we're just going to go with call on God. So, anytime you feel the need, you can call on God, but you should also know that God is always with you. Like most of us with our phones, is always with us. <laughs> you have a real phone too? Cool. Who do you call? Your mom? Do you, when you call them, do you, you need are you you need something from them? You just call them to say hi. You know, you can talk to God when you have your prayers. You can just call to say hi. You can just talk to him sometimes. It's good to talk to God. Just, like, let him know everything because, yeah, okay, so he knows what's in your heart. But it's good to actually talk to him because you can get things out and you can see things more clearly. So it's a really good thing to do. Okay, so there's that. Um, <laughs> so, um, yay. <laughs> I was also going to talk about the new year. Do you, you know, is tomorrow is a brand new year? Mm hmm. It's 2024. You're right. And there are a lot of people that are actually planning to get married today because the numbers come out to one, two, three, one, two, three, don't they? Yeah. The date. Yeah. Um, so in the new year, a lot of people make promises to themselves to do something better in their life. Do you know what the number one promise that people make for themselves in the new year is? Can you guess? I'm going to lose weight. <laughs> That's the big one. Did you know that our Bible is divided into two sections? There's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. So it's just like starting a new year yeah, it's kind of like a new chapter. You were right. 
very good. We, because the Old Testament, there's a lot of rules we're supposed to have followed, and humans are not very good at following rules. So Jesus came along. Jesus is in the New Testament, and Jesus gives us a new beginning, and we get to start over in Jesus. So there's our new year and our new testament and our starting over. Are you guys going to do anything different in 2024? Are you going to make a promise? It's like a resolution. They called a resolution. You're going to what? I'm going to get better at math. You're going to get better at math? Can you think of anything, Olivia? She's staring intently. She's thinking really hard. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You don't have to. Okay. You don't have to think of anything right now. But next we're going to say our prayer. We already said our prayer once. So do we need to say it again? Or are we just going to let the kids run Wild. Okay, you guys can run wild. Thank you for coming up here, and thank you for bringing the phone. (laughs) Okay. And you can go back to your parents or back to the back. Have a good time. Angie was not stumped. So she she handled that. Yeah. Um. For this giving moment, I and for this Sunday, I found this quote, and uh, I, I don't know who it, it's attributed to, but but I liked it, and so I saved it. For a lot of us, we know how to anticipate a celebration, but not how to sustain one. Let me say that again. For a lot of us, we know how to anticipate a celebration, but not how to sustain one. So how many of you all are sustaining the 12 days of Christmas? Does anybody know what day of Christmas today is? (sighs) Davenports are not allowed to. um... Uh, Yes, it is the seventh day of Christmas. Does anybody know what, uh, what gift is the seventh day, is given on the seventh day of Christmas? Seven swans a swimming, exactly. Six geese a laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. Does anybody know what a partridge in a pear tree is? What the symbolism is? Jesus. Jesus. So, um... I could easily say and change this quote just a little bit by saying for a lot of us, we know how to anticipate giving, but not, but don't know how to sustain giving. I could say that. And it could be your New Year's resolution to give more this year. And it's not just money. You may have found love this Christmas season and gave it away and enjoyed doing that. And so you want to give more love throughout the year. And there's different ways to do that. You may have served a little bit somehow, some way this year and want to do more of that. You may have uh, found uh, 
the contemplation and the meditation of an early morning in prayer, and you want to continue to do that. You may have found all kinds of things throughout this last year, and you just have never tried them before and liked them, and so you want to sustain that and go forward. But the biggest thing is, is that we should be able to anticipate a celebration and sustain it. Because Christmas is not just one day, it is 12. Holy Week is not just one day, it is seven. And a life with Jesus is not just one day, in the words of my wife, it is forever. There's all kinds of ways that you could give here at Morningstar, and we appreciate how it is that you do give. Check it out. We all stand and join together in our doxology this morning. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. Our first scripture reading this morning is 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 1 through 3. You're invited to get out your Bible or your Bible app. There's Bibles in the backs of the pews. Um, if you uh, would like to take the Bible home, if you need one, feel free to do so, okay? So it is 2 Kings chapter 23, 1 through 3, 2 Kings. Kings is toward the middle of the Old Testament, after Samuel, and before Chronicles. Uh, let us read. Then the king directed that all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem should be gathered to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him went all the people of Judah, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, 
keeping his commandments, his decrees, and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. All the people joined in the covenant. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading this morning is 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 25. And of course, 1 Peter is in the New Testament, after the Gospels, somewhere not too far in, I think. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 25. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, discipline yourselves, set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct, for it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you invoke as a father the one who judges impartially according to each person's work, live in fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal conduct inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him you have come to trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your trust and hope are in God. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual affection, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That word is the good news that was announced to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We needed more light. So I just shared with you a quote, of, and I'm going to paraphrase. It's easy to anticipate a celebration, but it's hard to sustain one. So I want to share this with you. Jesus tells us who will build his church. It's not you. It's not me. It's not a politician, influencer, or guru. Not a strategy, philosophy, or method. It's him. Trust in that. But Jesus does call us to be the church. Jesus tells us who will build the church, but he calls us to be the church. See the difference there? I share that with you because I want to share four stories with you, four thoughts to end this year and hopefully begin the next one. 
there's a thread. Believe me now and hear me later. No, hear me now, believe me later. So my first story takes place, well, let me, yeah. My first story takes place on a Christmas Eve in a church somewhere and probably not too long ago. The pastor is running around on Christmas Eve trying to get ready, doing the last minute things that pastors do. And all of a sudden, this gentleman comes in. I don't know what his name was. And the pastor is delighted to see him. It warms the cold cockles of the pastor's heart on a Christmas Eve when it's all about business and trying to uh, sustain a celebration. See, this gentleman had had a rough year. He had gone through a divorce, so a loss of a loved one, had changed jobs, so a loss of a job and a new, starting of a new job. He had lost a loved one due to death. Just all kinds of things seemed to hit this person over and over and over again. But the one good thing that happened in this year of the life of this man was that he stopped drinking. He joined Alcoholics Anonymous and was working the steps. But on this Christmas Eve, it must have been a little bit harder because as the pastor walked up to him, he could smell the alcohol just pouring off of the gentleman. Not just from his breath, but it was just oozing from his pores. So he takes the gentleman and he kind of hustles him into the library and he tells him, sit here, I'm going to get you some help. He goes and finds somebody to, to mind the gentleman as it's time to start worship. And he runs up uh, to get the worship service started. And he, he's in all of his Christmas spirit that he can muster up in this minute. And as soon as he gets the service started, right before the choirs to sing, he says out to the audience, if there is a friend of Bill's, could you please go to the library? People get up and go. He surrenders the pulpit or the altar or whatever this is called to the chancellery or whatever fancy name we give this to the choir and they start singing their songs and he goes to check on to see if anybody showed up to help this guy in the library and there are six people there already. See, friend of Bill is code for uh, I need help. You've probably heard it in uh, the, the airport. Friend of Bill, please come to gate 22. See, if, if you're working the steps and you have a moment of weakness, you can cry out, just kind of like what uh, Angie was saying. You can cry out to God, but you can cry out to, to one of God's little helpers. And so that's what happened on this Christmas Eve. In a moment of weakness, the guy had one too many to drink, but he knew what the good thing was to do was to still go to church. And at church, the pastor couldn't help him, but there were six other people who could. I had four stories for you, and I can't remember what they were. <laughs> uh, three more. Well, I know what two of them are, but I can't remember what the next one is. 
Well, I'm ending with one. See, you may think it's crazy to live in chaos. Oh, that's a good reminder. So there are three times of year that uh, it's kind of considered like the best time to start going to church again. So Christmas, Easter, and back to school. And back to school actually is the biggest time of year that people start going back to church again in this day and age. Maybe in a past day and age, one of those other two holidays would have been the time to come back to church, but back to school is the time that people, but we may see new faces starting to uh, fill up the seats in the back of the sanctuary here in the next week or two. So it's whatever time of year, that time of year, that a family decides, hey, let's go back to church. So they come into church, husband, wife, kids, and uh, they're a little bit late, and they scurry in and find a spot for the four of them to sit down, and people are excited that they're there. They do the passing of the peace thing and the shaking of the hands and greeting people and singing the songs. And they sit down to enjoy the message that they're about to receive. And his phone goes off. And the lady that's sitting in front of him turns around and scowls. And his wife elbows him hard, painfully so. He tries as fast as he can to turn off his phone, and he does, and he kind of looks around, uh, you know, and people are staring in their direction, and the gentleman that's sitting behind him puts his hand on the shoulder, and did you turn it off? Service is over. They get in the car. They're going home, and his wife gives him the what for from church all the way home, and home all the way through lunch. And his kids tease him the rest of the afternoon. And he is having a horrible, horrible day. He decides to go for a walk that evening. And his walk takes him to a bar. And he walks into the bar. And he ponies himself up to the, to the bar. And he tells the bartender what drink he wants. And the bartender makes him the drink and greets him and, and is kind of chit-chatting with him and serves him his drink. And his hands are still shaking from what happened in the morning. And he picks up the glass and it's shaking and he drops the glass. And it shatters all over the floor. The table across from the bar, they, they stop their conversation. They ask him, are, are you okay? Is everything fine? And the manager comes running up, and uh, she's got a broom and a dustpan, and she, she asks him if he's, if he's okay, that it's fine, that he's made a mess, it's no big deal. And um, she tells the bartender, give him another drink on the house, no big deal. Everybody in the bar is concerned about how he feels, and they are trying to make him feel better.
this story was sent to me this week. You may have seen it. It's kind of everywhere right at the moment. Philip Yancey, he's kind of a big deal. So if you put Philip Yancey as a hashtag on your post or something like that, it's sure to be seen. An alcoholic friend of Philip Yancey once said to him, when I'm late to church, people turn around and stare at me with frowns of disapproval. I get the clear message that I'm not as responsible as they are. When I'm late to AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, the meeting comes to a halt and everyone jumps up to hug and welcome me. They realize that my lateness may be a sign that I almost didn't make it. When I show up, it proves that my desperate need for them won out over my desperate need for alcohol. A few weeks ago, during the giving moment, I told you that this place is a gym. It should smell in here like sweat. We should come in our workout clothes and with towels to wipe the sweat off of our brows. Because we don't come here to do church here. We come here to work out our souls, our minds, our hearts, to take it out there. This isn't about church building. This is about church being. And it's not about being church here. It's about being church out there. My grandfather was born on March 2nd, 1905. For those of you who are not Texans, March 2nd is our Independence Day. He was born in a little town called Manny, Louisiana. I was in Manny when I was 13, and I can promise you, Manny has probably not changed much since then. His father was an alcoholic, a famous alcoholic. So famous that on a night when they went to the bar, or probably known as the saloon back then, and got rip-roaring drunk with his friends, and when they went out to their horses and climbed up on their horses, one of them decided to shoot their six shooters up in the air. Six guns up in the air. Well, my great-grandfather didn't have that good of a name for the sky. He accidentally shot his horse. He had to unbuckle his saddle, the most expensive thing that he owned, and walk home as his friends rode off into the night laughing at what he had done. That story hung over my grandfather's head throughout his whole entire life. He didn't tell it with glee. He didn't tell it with humor. He told it with a lot of sorrow, disappointment, and shame. My grandfather told me one day that he had a penchant for wild turkey bourbon. 
And I don't know if it was because he drank more than once or if it was because he drank one night and woke up the next day feeling so awful that he was afraid that he was going to end up like an alcoholic, like his father. So he never drank again. At the age of 24, after having spent six years working in a lumber yard, and if my grandfather were alive today, he could stand here, Randy, look at this room, and tell us how long it is and how wide it is within an inch, just looking at it. Because he knew a linear foot like that because of cutting trees and making lumber and all that kind of stuff. But things weren't good in Manny. It's the middle of the Depression. And so he fashioned a Model T into a pickup truck, put a load of what it is that he and his new wife owned and headed out towards California. My grandfather told me a story that when he got to Kent, Texas, does anybody know where Kent, Texas is? It's on I-10 before you get to the junction with I-10 and I-20. There was a gas station there at one point in time, but it was closed. It's closed now. There was a school, but I noticed recently somebody took the rocks from that school and uh, probably took them somewhere else to build something else new. But my grandfather told me that he watched a cattle roundup there in Kent, Texas, because the train stopped there. He got a meal from a chuck wagon, and he watched cowboys come across the plain from the north to bring the cattle to the train. The road between Manny, Louisiana and El Paso, Texas was sometimes paved, but mostly dirt road. And my grandfather ran out of money in El Paso and got lucky to find a job the next day making batteries, car batteries. Car batteries used to be made locally in your town, and he got a job doing that. From there, he saved money, and he bought a gas station. And the gas station, behind, the property behind the gas station was big enough to where you could have like a, a small trailer park. And after a year or two of doing that, he finally had enough money to send for his wife, who came to live with him in El Paso. And a year after she came, they had my father. And eight years after that, she died. My grandfather was just scraping by, enough to put food on the table for him and his wife and his two sons and a daughter, ages eight, six, and three. He was poor. He had to put my dad and his two siblings in an orphanage. And on Fridays, after school, my dad would collect his siblings and get on a bus and ride down to San Jacinto Plaza in downtown El Paso, switch buses, and go out to Isleta, which was a hike back in the day. 
And then the whole weekend, instead of getting to play, my dad and his brother ran the gas station so my grandfather could get a little bit of rest because the gas station was open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. One day, a man came pulling in with a trailer and uh, said, hey, I, I have enough money for one night, but we've ran out of money and I need to find a job. We're on our way to California. Can we stay here? And I'll get up early tomorrow morning and I'll go find a job and I'll pay you at the end of the week. And so my grandfather, having faith, faith in God and faith in man, said, sure. The next morning, the man got up very early and got in his car and took off to go look for a job. And my grandfather felt good about what it was that he was doing. But that evening, the man didn't come back. The next day, the man didn't come back. The end of the week was apparent to everybody, especially the woman and the children that were living in that trailer. Their husband and father was not coming back. They needed help. They needed help with money, and they needed help with food. And my grandfather gave them both. And they struck up a conversation over the week or two that they got to know each other, where my grandfather asked, where are your people? Where's your family? And she said, I have family in Palo Alto. We weren't going there. We were going to California, but we weren't going to Palo Alto. So my grandfather took to kind of thinking about it, praying about it, I'm sure. And he came to her a day or two later, and he said, I'm going to take you to Palo Alto. Which meant that my grandfather was going to close his gas station down for all the time that it would take for them to get from El Paso to Palo Alto, which probably was not an easy task back in the day. And that's what he did. My grandfather took this lady and her children and pulled their trailer to Palo Alto and dropped them off and then turned around and came back and opened up this gas station with the loss of money, just like if nothing had happened. I shared the story about a week ago with Amy. I shared the story with her as we were doing Blue Christmas here. We've been having this ongoing conversation that she will have with, uh, with the staff and with the leadership board and then with the congregation. She's looking for a watchword a watchword for Morning Star, something that would point us like a, a, a North Star, like would point us in the direction that we're supposed to go. See, that lady and those children, they didn't need an army of people to take care of them. They needed one person. On Blue Christmas, 
there were people who came and participated, but we were here for one person late in the day who came and stayed and worked the, the stations and did the prayer. And we prayed for him as he left. See, we're like the church where my grandfather used to go. A little dusty church in Manny, Louisiana, where he learned how to be the one person. Christ will build this church. But we have to go out and be the church. I'm going to say it this way. There's a lot of empty seats in here today. And it's New Year's Eve, and I totally get it. And that's totally fine. But if you're concerned about these seats being empty and you want to fill this place up, go be the church out there, wherever it is. One of you all will be the church to somebody and they won't come to this church, but they'll go to church and you will have succeeded. This is my wish. This is my dream, and I hope that this is my intention for Morningstar, for myself, in 2024. Amen. to wipe away.
Okay, so now we're going to do the covenant, the Wesleyan Covenant service together. I'm going to say a lot, and you're going to say a lot. Remember, I'm going to say some words, but you're going to say some even bolder words. So pay attention. Dearly beloved brothers and sisters, the Christian life is a life found in Christ, redeemed from sin and consecrated to God. We are, those, we are those who have entered into the life and who have admitted into new covenant of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. We are those who have entered into this life and have been admitted into the new covenant of Jesus Christ. He is the mediator of this covenant. He sealed it with his own blood so it would last forever. On one side of this covenant stands God who promises to give us new life in Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Every day, God proves goodness and grace to us, showing us that God's promise still stands firm. On the other side, we stand as those who promise to no longer live life for ourselves, but instead to only live for Jesus Christ because he has loved us and given us and given his life for us. There are times in our lives when it is important for us to remember and reaffirm our promises and vows. In this same way, we have come today to renew our covenant with God. Many generations have done this before us. Today, we make the covenant our own, renewing with both joy and sincerity the covenant that binds us all to God. So, Usually at this point in time in the service, we have what is called communion. I am not an ordained elder within the United Methodist Church. Even though it is 2023 and we have the technology and I could have called Amy at this point in time and we could have heard her voice over the intercom or the speakers, not the intercom, uh, the speakers, and she could have blessed this meal for us. And then we could have served it. That's not what we're doing today. We're going to have a love feast. 
and there's only one element in the love feast, and that is the loaf. We're going to bless it together. We're going to dine together, and we're going to do all the elements that we usually do within the communion, but it's going to be a little bit different. Okay? So, there's strength in numbers, right? There's strength to come together and confess our sins together. And so we're going to do that and join me in this confession. We are those who seek to live as true disciples of Jesus Christ, but sometimes we fall short. Let us now examine ourselves before God, humbly confessing our sins and submitting our hearts so that we do not deceive ourselves and cut ourselves away from God. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have set forth the way life through your son, Jesus Christ, whom you love dearly. We confess that we have been slow to learn of him and have been reluctant to follow him. You have spoken and called to us, but we have not listened. You have revealed your beauty to us, but we have been blind. You have stretched out your hands to us through our friends, but we have passed by them. We have accepted your gifts and offered little thanks. You are unworthy of changing love. We are. We now confess to you our sins. Please forgive us for the poverty of our worship, for the selfishness of our prayers, for our inconsistency and unbelief, for the ways we neglect fellowship and your grace, for your hesitation to tell others about Christ, for the ways we deceive others. Forgive us for when we waste time and when we misuse the gifts we have given us. Forgive us for when we have made excuses for the wrong things we have done, when we have purposely avoided responsibility. Forgive us that we have been unwilling to overcome evil and good. Forgive us for when we have not been ready to carry our cross. Forgive us for not allowing your love to work through us to help others for not making their suffering our own. Forgive us for those times when instead of working for unity, we made it hard for others to live with us because of our lack of forgiveness, inconsiderate judgment, and quick criticism. Forgive us for when we have not tried to reconcile with others and when we have been slow to seek redemption. Forgive us also for the sin that we silently confess to you now. Hear the good news. The giver of all mercies is faithful to cleanse us from our sins and restore us to Christ's image. Praise and glory be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Just to let you know, we need to work on that in 2024, okay? During the confession. Let's say it again. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you do that next Sunday, gold stars for everybody, for me. Amy will be shocked and surprised. Hear this invitation. 
Let us gathered here before God now and covenant commit ourselves to Christ as his servants. Let us give ourselves to him so that we may fully belong to him. Jesus Christ has left us with many services to be done. Some of these services are easy and honorable, but some are difficult and disgraceful. Some line up with our desires and interests. Others are contrary to both. In some, we please both Christ and ourselves, but then there are other works in which we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. Jesus Christ, we offer you this prayer. Let me be your servant. Let me follow your commands. I will no longer follow my own desires. I give myself completely to your will. The power and the strength to live as true servants is given to us in Christ. We accept the place and the work that he gives us, acknowledging that he alone will be our reward. I am not my own. I am not my own. I am yours alone. Make me into what you will. Rank me with those you will. Put me to use for you. Put me to suffering for you. Let me be employed for you. Let me be laid aside for you. Let me be lifted high for you. Let me be, be brought low for you. Let me be full or let me be empty. Let me have all things or let me have nothing at all. With a willing heart, I freely give everything to your pleasure and disposal. As we renew this holy covenant, let us make it re a reality in our lives in these three ways. First, set apart time in your day, more than once, to be spent alone with the Lord. Seek to perceive God's special care for you and gracious acceptance of you. Gracious acceptance of you. Gracious acceptance of you. Carefully think through the words of this covenant and its conditions. Examine your heart, even if you have freely given your life to Christ. Name the sin in your life. Reflect on whether you are willing to choose Christ's holy laws and strict commands. Be sure you are clear in all of these so that you do not lie to God. Second, uphold a serious spirit of holy awe and reverence. Third, Claim God's covenant. Do not trust in your own strength and power, but rely upon God's promise of giving grace and strength. Giving grace and strength. Giving grace and strength. In this way, God will empower you to keep your promise. Fourth, be determined to be faithful. You have given your heart and life to God. You have opened your mouth to dedicate yourself to God. With God's power, never go back to your former way of living. And last, be prepared to renew your covenant with God. Fall on your knees, lift your hands, and open your hearts. Let us pray together. My righteous God, for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, let me, as I fall down before you, Forgive my unfaithfulness when I have not done your will. You promise mercy if I turn to you with your whole heart. God requires that you rid yourself of every idol in your life. From the bottom of my heart, 
I here and now renounce every idol in my life, covenanting with you that I will not commit any known sin. By turning against your will, I have turned my love towards the world. In your power, I will watch for any temptation that will lead me away from you. Through Jesus Christ, God offers to be your God again if you allow him to be. Before all heaven and earth, I am here and now acknowledge you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as my Lord and God. I vow to give all of myself, body, and soul to be your servant and to serve you in holiness and righteousness all the days of my life. Jesus Christ is the only way and means to God. God has given us Jesus as the way and means to salvation. Jesus, I here and now accept you as the only new and living way. I join myself in covenant with you. I come to you hungry, sinful, miserable, blind, and naked, unworthy even to watch the feet of your servants. With all my power, I accept you as my Lord and head. I renounce my own unworthiness and vow that you are the Lord my righteousness. I renounce my own wisdom and take you for my only guide. I renounce my own will and take your will as my law. Christ has told you that you must suffer with him. Jesus, I here and now make this covenant with you and accept whatever comes in life. Through your grace, I promise that neither life nor death will separate me from you. God has given holy laws as the rule of your life. I here and now willingly take on your yoke and burden. All your laws are holy, just, and good. I accept them as the rule for my words, thoughts, and actions, promising I will strive to order my whole life around your direction. I will not allow myself to neglect anything I know to be my duty. The Almighty God searches and knows you, even the thoughts of your heart. O oh God, you know that we have made this covenant today in sincerity, without deceit or reluctance. If you find anything false in us, guide us and help us to set it right. And now, glory be to you, God the Father. From this day forward, I will look upon you as my God. Glory be to you, God the Son. You have loved me and washed me from my sins and your own blood. From this day forward, I shall look upon you as my Savior and Redeemer. Glory be to you, O God, the Holy Spirit. By your almighty power, you have turned my heart from sin to God. From this day forward, I shall look upon you as my comforter and guide. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have now become my covenant friend, and I, through your infinite grace, have become your covenant servant. You are mine, and I am yours. So be it. May this covenant that I have made here on earth be ratified in heaven. Amen.
The love feast or agape meal is a Christian fellowship meal recalling the meals Jesus shared with disciples during his ministry and expressing the koinonia, community sharing fellowship, koinonia, community sharing fellowship, y'all learned a new word today, enjoyed by the family of Christ. Although its origins in the early church are closely interconnected with the origins of the Holy Communion, the two services become quite distinct and should not be confused with each other. While the Lord's Supper has been practically universal among Christians throughout church history, the love feast has appeared only at certain times and among certain denominations, including the Wesleyan tradition and the United Methodist Church. One of the advantages of the love feast is that any Christian may conduct it. Congregational participation and leadership are usually extensive and important, especially involving children. Let us pray. There's a prayer. Yep. Nope. There's another one before that. Be present at our table, Lord. Be here and everywhere adored. Thy creatures bless and grant that we may feast in paradise with thee. Amen. Because our covenant with God is rooted in and centered on love, let us re uh, be reminded of the nature of love as, wait, let's pause. Yeah, let's feast. So I need a volunteer, just one volunteer. third person. Drought breaks with the tears of a mother. 
going to do one last call and response because I think it's so important because it's what I wanted to share with you all throughout uh, Advent and it's the one thing that I want you guys to carry away from Christmas more than anything else. So listen to these words and then pay attention to the bold words so that will be on the screen. Because our covenant with God is rooted and is centered on love, let us remind, let's, let us be reminded of the nature of love as described in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in tongues of humans and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all the faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable. 
It keeps no record of wrongs. It does no rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. I know, now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love remain, these three, and the greatest of these is love. Amen. Stand with me and I'll give you this blessing, something for you all to think about besides love. Pitched, peeled, and poised. Go into your week, your month, your ear, with your ears pitched to the sound of God's voice calling your name. Go into your week, month, and year with your eyes peeled for the face of Jesus in unexpected places. Go into your week, month and year with your soul poised to receive the spirit of God, the spirit of peace, the spirit of love. Go into your week, month, and year. And don't be the church here. Be the church out there. Amen. Happy New Year.